Hello, my name is Matt Barker. I'm a feature editor campaign. Each day this week, we're going to be looking back at some of the best campaign podcasts over the past year. Today, we're going back to late February when working inspiration editor Imogen Watson met with McCann Kiev chief executive Sergei Urian and Bickerstaff creative group head Sergei Artimenko on the first anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. It's been one long year since Vladimir Putin's Russian forces crossed into Ukrainian territory with no end in sight. While the country's creative industry was turned upside down in the early chaos of the Russian invasion, in times of conflict, creativity will prevail. Ukrainian creativity has flourished as people fight to keep the economy going. As a result, the country's advertising economy appears to be bouncing back. Here to discuss their experience of the war so far, I'm joined by Sergei Ern, McCann Keeves, Chief Executive and Bickerstaff Creative Group Head, Sergei Artemenko. Thank you so much for joining the campaign podcast today. To note, we're recording on Wednesday, um, with Friday being the year anniversary of the Ukraine war. Thank you so much for joining the campaign podcast today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for hosting us. No, no worries. Now, Sergei, when war broke out, McCann Keefe kept his office space uh, open as a resilience venue. Can you talk our listeners through that setup? It was a bit later that we set up resilience uh, office, what we call. Uh, when the war broke up, uh, we were at home mostly uh, because uh, since 2020, we lived in this uh, mixed hybrid uh, mode of uh, working from home and sometimes coming to the office. So basically people were outside uh, their homes and then everyone was uh, shocked, I would say, because uh, this was not, uh, I mean, it's not every day that, uh, as you can imagine, uh, you are being invaded by the country with second largest army in the world. As it turned out, fortunately, it's not the second strongest in the world anymore. <laughs> so basically, we were not ready as an agency and we were not ready as uh, people. Uh, my wife kept asking me, so do we have to get ready or not? And I said, well, not really, but, you know, just put full tank of gas just in case. And this is what helped us actually in the first day. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, uh, our office uh, was more or less empty. I came to the office uh, one month after uh, the full-scale uh, invasion, sorry, uh, which was end of uh, March. And uh, I made picture from the terrace, which was overlooking, uh, not overlooking, but the sounds of Bucha and Irpin were very loud there. And uh, I made this picture and uh, sent to all McKenners uh, saying, we will be back. So fortunately, this came to be true. We were back. But physically, physically, people would come back to the office uh, starting from May, when it was already uh, clear that Kyiv is safer. Not safe, but safer place. Have you found more people are coming in to work on a daily basis? When staff come in, is it to work collaboratively or for a sense of normality? I would say it's uh, brutally honest uh, that people started to uh, populate uh, the office back uh, in uh, November, October, November, uh, when uh, there were problems with electricity because uh, Russians started to target uh, civil infrastructure. And that's when most of the uh, internet and electricity at their apartments, at uh, team members' apartments, uh, were off for several days, basically. So some people were without electricity for two or three days. And that's when office uh, set up uh, backup electricity 
uh, generator and uh, made sure that there is internet. So we had several providers to make sure that it's uninterrupted. And uh, that's when people came back and uh, I was happy to see more and more people every day here on one side. But on the other, I understand that the reason for this is not that uh, much of happiness. Sergey, Bickerstaff changed to remote work when the war started. Has the office reopened or is Bickerstaff still working on it? When the war started, we get rid of, uh, of our office because all the people, you know, scared on different parts of our country. Some went to villages. Me and my wife, for example, we went to our relatives in the village near Kiev. And so half of our team went abroad. And uh, actually, we worked in this uh, kind of style for a majority of uh, last year. But, you know, now we have... Uh, now, for now, a small office with uh, one generator, electricity generator, and one Starlink. So I guess Starlink is like uh, the, <laughs> the uh, you know, must-have thing for uh, the people who work in Ukraine. Although uh, for like two weeks, uh, for the last two weeks, we don't have any problems with electricity. But, you know, for like just uh, for uh, to, to be sure, like, that any rockets will damage anything. You know, we have a generator and a Starlink in our office. And so, yeah, something like that. So if if you want, you can go there. If you want, you can stay home or uh, meet somewhere in a cafe or a restaurant and, uh, like, brainstorm there. So no, no problem with that. We get used to uh, different conditions we can work you say that obviously the people moved around Ukraine. Is there are many people that moved abroad. Uh, it's like 50-50, you know. Um, uh, half of the people went abroad uh, at the first months and some of them went back uh, when uh, when uh, Russian army uh, left uh, the key region. But, you know, the majority of people now are working in Ukraine. The majority of people are working in Ukraine now. So we have uh, our second office in uh, Lisbon, in Portugal. So... Uh, you know, like it's it's free if someone wants to, to go to move to work there. It's it's not a problem. Have you found it difficult to work collaboratively around the world um, or have you figured out a smoother process? No, that's that's actually not a problem. You know, we <laughs> from the moment we our agency was found, you know, we we were found during global pandemic during COVID-19. So at this time, everyone was working from home. So uh, and after that, we 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 are now experiencing war so actually it's like in our dna in the dna of our uh, company of our bigger stuff to work despite everything so despite any conditions and so we also have our uh, uh, like uh, call it term collective pokemon we ah. call it so it means that when we are walking on a brief we are united in everything we storm together we're working on the insights and no matter where you are now in kiev in lisbon in poland uh, you know like any any place in the world in the world we are united by you know in telegram in uh, zoom in uh, you know like different platforms where 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 we collaborate with each other and uh, brainstorm and etc cetera, etc cetera. so for us it's it's not a problem has the same been for you too, Sergey? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we have, I think, up to 10 people I abroad. And uh, I think there are some difficulties with those who work from the States uh, because of time difference, of course. 
And I have my client service director in uh, in the valley. Uh, no, no, no I, I think in, she's in LA. And uh, yes, sometimes it's kind of uh, harder to arrange uh, meetings. But otherwise, those who are in Europe, it's no problem. It's uh, one hour difference. And then the rest, maybe up to five people we have across Ukraine. And uh, most of the team is, is in Kyiv or suburbs. Uh, so nearby that they can come to the office uh, at any moment when there is no shelling. And obviously, McCann Kyiv is part of a global holding company. Has that helped the agency in the face of the war? Well, I, I would call this uh, part of my uh, professional connection to the world. And not only professional, but uh, even the personal connection to the world uh, was thanks to uh, McCann World Group. And uh, from day one, I think, of the invasion, that uh, I received messages from half of the network, uh, basically. And uh, network offices helped to employ some of our talents, namely uh, MRM Madrid, I remember, uh, McKen Warsaw, and also McKen Belgrade. They took our people on board, and uh, some people uh, are still working there. Also, uh, there were financial solutions from our European headquarters uh, as it helped and still are helping for us now. And uh, of course, there is PR uh, both inside McCann World Group and uh, with the media, like this wonderful podcast that we are recording now. So we are in touch uh, both with Central New York team and uh, with McCann Europe London uh, team. Uh, but probably the most important, I think it's it's kind of personal for me even, but the most supportive emotionally, and I dare to say part of my professional sanity uh, was uh, coming from regular contact uh, with uh, both live and uh, uh, and uh, on video, uh, online. Uh, we met in Cannes last June, that's why live. But uh, it came uh, with my very dear colleagues um, who kept checking up on me almost like weekly or monthly. Uh, this was John Wright, uh, regional officer UK and Europe, uh, McCann World Group, and Katalin Dobre, our regional Central Eastern uh, Europe creative director. Uh, they were really calling me in very different circumstances and I was happy to talk to them even when I put my uh, sticky tape on the windows of my house to make sure that shelling doesn't destroy it. Mm, for sure. Siri, as an independent agency, um, how was Beckerstaff's business impacted? Um, did you see work dry up at the start of the war? And, and, and as, if so, as, did that improve? Uh, you know, uh, about the impact uh, of war on our business, for example, if before the war, uh, social projects were for us more of a benefit for the agency. So there weren't as many requests as we wanted, but yeah, uh, such projects were more of an exception. Also, we love them very much. And so now, uh, at the, at the, when the war started, uh, social projects have become a mainstay because there is a huge demand for social projects nowadays. And so for us, it is super important to create these projects that really have a huge potential and change the world. As uh, like, you know, our projects, war projects like to Russian mothers uh, all around the Russian world uh, for our campaign for uh, Alaska. And so we are also selling, started selling a lot more uh, design and branding for expert. Now, before the war, we had branding projects, but also like commercial communication. But now we have a lot of design and it is our design uh, expertise that is uh, somehow in demand by in a huge demand by uh, colleagues abroad. Uh, for example, uh, our last project we made for the Duke of Edinburgh's International Award. It's called the Stand By Me. 
and uh, it's a special award body program for integration of young people to the society in different countries yeah and so we started from ukrainians because there are a lot of uh, young ukrainians who uh, went with their parents for example with the with their moms or with their moms and dads uh, to abroad to different countries and it is hard for them to find friends in this new society you know like yesterday you had uh, your school you had your friends in ukraine and now you're in a, in a complete new country like it's like you're starting your game from level one and you need to adapt to these new circumstances and so this uh, stand by me project we made is a uh, first for young ukrainians but we want to uh you know like uh, make it for uh, i mean all the uh, people who seek uh, for example seek a refuge somewhere or etc etc so to, to help them adapt to this new country to these new circumstances Sergey, are you seeing much international work? Not really, actually, because um, I think speaking about international work, uh, uh, this the whole size of it was not uh, huge for us. Uh, so it, it was not sizable. Uh, also, both McCann Network and some of our clients uh, tried to help. Uh, so we did part of ideation for McCann Chicago uh, for Chevy. Uh, also a project for our client in Benelux. Uh, and uh, now we are into discussion with uh, our client uh, to be in charge of uh, a project for MENA region, which is uh, Middle East, uh, North Africa. Uh, but otherwise, I have to say that uh, we are surviving on Ukrainian clients, uh, namely international, big internationals that renewed uh, the activities uh, in Ukraine. Uh, thanks uh, to all the help that is coming to Ukraine, we are not collapsed as consumer market. And this is really helpful. So companies like our clients, uh, Vodafone, Nestle, uh, sometimes L'Oreal, uh, MasterCard, uh, they are active. Uh, of course, there is huge decrease in uh, the scope of work. But otherwise, uh, we can work, we can survive, and we can do also social projects uh, the same, as you call, for better wealth, for better country, and uh, for the victory. Yes. Mm. Now, I spoke at the beginning how creativity has flourished during this time. So why don't we dig deeper into some of the creative work? Can you talk our listeners through the recent Art Armour initiative? Um, where did the initial idea come from? As part of our defiance, because I, I, I would say that the reaction to the war uh, at the agency was shock. And then after shock, uh, it was defiance. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's the same for most of Ukrainians. So it's naturally that it's the same for, uh, for our agency people. And uh, as, uh, as part of this defiance uh, move, let's say, we started to brainstorm how we can help uh, our effort. And uh, we had this idea, I think, last uh, April. Yeah, it was last April. Why not to take uh, used uh, plates from armored vests, bulletproof vests? Uh, uh, those, but those uh, that uh, specifically uh, saved the lives of Ukrainian soldiers and civilians sometimes. And why not to turn them into art objects and sell them and use proceeds for the good? To again for individual protection of uh, both soldiers and civilians. So we found a client for our initiative uh, because it's you know it's one thing idea and another execution. Uh, this was charity fund uh, Ukraine for Heroes. They were doing a lot of really important work uh, across uh, Ukraine and uh, closer to front lines. 
And with their help, in May-June 2022, last year, we started receiving armored plates straight from the battlefield in the east. Uh, fortunately, uh, Russian invaders were out of Kyiv area then, so these plates came exactly from the east. Uh, we verified that these plates saved lives. Sometimes we knew the soldiers whom they helped, but not, not always. And uh, next, with the help of our art curator, uh, Irina Yuferova, she helped us. Uh, we involved 10 uh, most famous Ukrainian uh, top painting artists, and uh, these artists uh, turned each plate into an art object with uh, their very personal yet very professional touch. So each, it, it, it's, each of them is different, really different, but really uh, like piece of art. And uh, the official launch of the project was happening last October on Ukrainian Defenders Day, which is October 14th, in a closed subway station deep underground to be secure from Russian shelling. And may maybe you saw some pictures. So mm -hmm, whenever I somebody did. comes, yeah, Bo like Bono comes yeah. to Ukraine. So he's performing <laughs> in that subway station. Oh, really? that's, that's where we launched this project. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it good was, enough for and... Bono. <laughs> yeah, then uh, this project was supported by, the pre by President Zelensky, our Commander-in-Chief, uh, General Valery Zaluzhny, and a number of other uh, defense agencies uh, of Ukraine. And next, uh, the exhibition was formed and uh, worked uh, here in Ukraine. Uh, so all the works were available for public first in Kiev and Lviv and now traveling across Europe. Uh, first station was Warsaw. Mm -hmm. So Wars uh, Warsaw, Poland hosted uh, the exhibition in January. Now it's in Tallinn, I think opening today is 22nd. Yeah, it's opening tomorrow mm -hmm. in Tallinn exhibition and so on. So basically uh, it will go all over Europe, mm -hmm. the exhibition promoting this project and then the culmination should be should happen one year after the launch uh, in October in London mm, and uh, by that time yeah, yeah we, we invite everyone and by that time we hope to involve more international artists so mm. if by any chance you are an artist an artist now and uh, or you know somebody who is an artist and who wants to help Ukraine please do go to uh, artarmor.org drop us an email and we will plug you into the process send you an armored plate straight from the battlefield and we will be waiting for your great piece of art uh, to be sold and uh, help us uh, to pr protect more soldiers and to protect also more civilians uh, because you know uh, individual protection is very important uh, now even if you're a journalist and go to the uh, places like Bakhmut or Izum, you, you need to have it. So th that's what we want to uh, use them for. So in general, is that's why we call this project uh, Art Armor, uh, art that saves uh, lives, basically, because you convert something that already proved to save lives into something that can save in the future. Sergey, you've touched on this campaign already, um, but at the beginning of the war, Bickerstaff um, brought out to Russian mothers um, can you explain how the information campaign targeted Russian military families? Yeah, so uh, uh, I will tell you about this campaign and also about uh, all the Russian world because they are pretty close to each other. So, you know, at the beginning of war in February, we saw that Russians' opinions could be inf influenced. We were determined, really determined to change uh, uh, Russians' minds to open their eyes to war because, you know, we saw they uh, didn't know uh, that the war is really going on. 
it was more like you know some they call it special operation so it was like they uh, don't think it's something really serious so we made these two projects uh, two russian mothers and all around the russian world and they both were aimed at uh, russian people and uh, at russian uh, disinformation we wanted to resist it and to tell the real truth to show the real truth to people in russia and for example our uh, project to russian mothers where we show what's going on really well, th that's your kids that's your uh, they they are not not your kids anymore there are warriors now who like soldiers russian soldiers occupiers who came to another country for no particular reason you know and uh, for example our all around the russian world campaign where we made a campaign like uh, the campaign for airbnb it close look like it uh, and uh, it uh, kind of was uh, like a tourist attraction campaign. So people in Russia, they were like clicking on a banner on, on a video in YouTube and they appeared on a like travel site, travel aggregator, when there was a lot of uh, places you can uh, rent in Kharkiv, in um, uh, Nikolaev, in Kiev city. But that was uh, the places that were bombed by Russian missiles. And so it was quite provocative. And we got millions and billions. This, these campaigns went, went viral in Russia. And uh, uh, it was uh, that uh, really, uh, uh, like, what, what's make it viral is that uh, Russians really started to go watch these campaigns. And uh, our site for, like, uh, all around the Russian world, it was blocked uh, after it was, like, viral. And so we even got a letter from the Russian Committee of Soldiers Martyrs where, when, where they thanked us that we did this uh, for, for them to help them kind of ra ra raise attention of what's going on. And, uh, you know, a week after this campaign launched, uh, Russians, uh, it was the first time in the history of war uh, that they uh, actually acknowledged that uh, there were fatalities among the Russian soldiers because, you know, for, the, for like almost for the first months, it looked like uh, they're, they're like invincible, you know, there's no casualties of war. But after that, after Ukrainian, you know, like ad agencies, uh, we, we started to work on this uh, issue. Yeah, they, it was the first time they actually acknowledged uh, that they have losses. It's crazy to be that close to, to the action in a sense. And despite the war, Bickerstaff was named best agency in Central and Eastern Europe uh, by Epica Awards and won a Cannes Lion uh, for your work in the island of Cortetia. Has it helped staff um, stay inspired and motivated winning all these awards? As pathetic as, as, it can, as it may sound, you know, we had no other choice but to become like the best agency because if we have to be uh, just a good agency. We have to be the best agency in order to survive. You know, it's not enough just to be, you know, like good agency today in Ukraine. Mm. So we had planned to enter, you know, the European market before the war. We wanted to get well, dozens more clients, you know, uh, different awards, etc., and do it like everyone else. But life actually put everything in its place, and so we we were forced to invent creative ways to talk about ourselves and our works. And uh, the war kind of pushed us uh, towards it, uh, towards becoming like the, the really number one agency. So it's also our superpower that, that uh, we can make the most of the minimum. So uh, war kind of teached us to you know, like launch these campaigns that have zero budget. 
no like. So our work for Galicina that reached 33 million people in Ukraine, zero budget. Um, you know, like uh, this uh, uh, message to the Russian masses all around the Russian world. These were campaigns that were made by, we call it like bigger stuff production at most. You know, like, so we really uh, tried to do our best with our, with our partners, with our, with our own uh, strengths. And it actually came, we, we came to the conclusion that we can become the best. We can uh, do the, uh, the greatest work. And it will help us boost our own creativity and uh, be on this same level for a long time. The war has taken Ukraine's creative industry to wider audiences. Um, how would you describe Ukraine's creative industry? What's its sort of style or um, what have we seen? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's totally reflective of uh, Ukrainian society at the moment. Uh, uh, so we are no more shocked at all. We understood that uh, where we are. We are defined, for sure. And uh, by the way, yeah, we missed this very important part uh, in the beginning, but uh, I would like to say the most important probably things that uh, I would like to say big thank you, huge thank you actually to armed forces of Ukraine, the guys in the trenches, uh, thanks to whom we are here today, able to carry out intellectual discussions about creativity or whatever in relative safety. Uh, three of uh, our McKenners uh, are on the front lines, uh, although one of them just got into hospital recently from Bakhmut, uh, but he, he's fine. Uh, and my second big thank you uh, is to international allies supporting Ukraine. Uh, with your support, the bravery of our resistance uh, has very good chance to become a major victory of freedom and democratic values in uh, recent uh, history of Europe. Uh, because uh, we had pages in our history, in Ukrainian history, when we didn't enjoy this support after World War II, and then we lost, uh, basically. And even previously, 100 years ago, we lost our independence. So thank you. Um, but uh, So we are defined as an industry. We are defined as a country. And uh, we just... Uh, I, have, I have this two things to ask you. One, uh, more specific, please support our initiatives uh, of verified agencies, verified somebody you know. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, everyone invited here is someone you can trust because we are on the ground, we know what's happening, we know what's the need uh, at every specific mo moment of history. So please do support our, um, our initiatives. And uh, my second, actually, uh, my second uh, thought is uh, more... Uh, more general, I would say, uh, because uh, it's about, uh, it's more, so, sorry if I sound uh, too political, but uh, please uh, do not let our war to slip off the radar in your country. Uh, we are closer to you than you think. We are not that far. We are not some, some kind of uh, alien country. What is happening in Ukraine will definitely impact how the world will live for generations to come. And by saying this, I mean it's is a cherishing. This is very simple uh, choice: is a cherishing freedom and democracy, or on the other side, uh, it's uh, in autocracy, war power games, and disregard of international law. And the former is definitely a safer world, the life where humankind can think about growth, not the war. And uh, you guys in the West should be proud of yourself uh, when we win. When we will. When we win. Sorry. Uh, because this will be our joint victory, uh, not only Ukrainians, but joint victory for the better world ahead.
So please uh, keep us uh, in the radar. It's very important and it's very important for both of us. Uh, I completely agree with my colleague, Sergei. Uh, completely agree, 100%. I just want to add that uh, I am really proud by Ukrainians. I am really proud by our community, uh, the community here in Ukraine. We are really proof to the world and to ourselves that we can withstand any difficulties, that, you know, like we can work through any circumstances and we will actually win as a result. You know, uh, we can do everything and, uh, you know, like uh, we, we will never, we will never, you know, like uh, uh, we will never lose. We are playing a huge price, but we actually survived and we will win this war and uh, uh, war of minds of the people in in the world yeah because we are fighting on an informational front i would say and so i also have a message one important message uh, so and my message is to the brands uh, abroad you know so uh, now many brands are trying to sit on two chairs for example last week we had a huge uh, conflict here in ukraine with the brand ashan because in russia it really supports uh, russian troops it helps them to kind of with, with the food, with, uh, with different clothes, etc. It's all that stuff. So uh, many big businesses are now trying to, with all their might, to keep business as usual. You know, like it's it's uh, you know like guys, nothing personal. It's just business. You know. So and it is understandable because we all know, like yeah, Russia is a huge market, and everyone wants to be like friends with this market because there are like hundred million people with money there. They're living there. So. But that's understandable. But, you know, as long as this happens, their taxes, they become these missiles and shells that falls in Ukraine every like every week, every day. So brands today, uh, I think that brands today has a huge impact on, on the masses, on the masses of the people. They don't just talk about the, you know, like the quality of yogurt or the quality of milk, but they communicate with the large audiences. And people's opinion depend on clear positions of these brands. People listen to their brands, the favorite brands. And so when we talk about Ukraine and our struggle, it is a struggle for democracy, for the like the, the human dignity. And to be neutral, you know, in this war means to kind of supply the enemy. So uh, I would really like from like the name of all the Ukrainian, like the representatives of this ad, uh, of our ad community, to ask brands to try to clearly formulate their support to Ukraine because uh, we need this. We need their help in order to kind of win on the informational front itself. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for this, for letting me see this. Oh, thank you for joining. Thank you so much for coming on and, and letting us know about your experience and talking candidly and, and sending out that message. It needs to be heard. Um, yeah, thanks thank again. You. Sadly, that's all we've got time for. Thanks again to the two Sergeys for joining today's episode to fill us in about their experience of the Ukraine war so far. If you'd like to learn more about what we have been discussing today, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are available at campaignlive.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. A big thank you to Haymarket Studio Manager Nav Pal and also our producer Lindsay Riley from Rethink Audio. And also to you for listening. I hope you will join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>